0: Uh-huh. Let's get it. Through. Welcome to the candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock Welcome to the candy shop, bo. Welcome to the candy shop. We in on things you not just press play and let it rock hey. Welcome to the candid shop I feel like we going through mad things got to keep it real when they choose not we going to talk about it when the news drops welcome to the show where you know we don't fake this keep your opinion to yourself if it don't make sense
1: Hola podcast nation it's your girl Candidly Kristen and this is the candid shop I am sitting down today for a one-on-one chit-chat with a former Candid Shop special guest and one of my favorite people, Dr. Casey Shimon. Dr. Casey is the author of It's My Time, founder of the Speaking Freedom Life Enhancement Program, and she is a certified love and life coach. Dr. Casey has been coined the most wanted and valuable insider and the capital dame, she thrives on seeing people live their best lives while embracing their individual life's journey. Dr. Casey was also a guest co host for a recent Candy Shop episode. So, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Candy Shop, Dr. Casey.
0: Yay. Hey, thanks for having me now. If I had my equipment hooked up, I'd do the clapping and the cheering coming in. Yes, yes. Wait, I got
1: you. All right now. See? is you special we gotta make you feel special up in here
0: yes thank you thank you for having me thank you for having me back it's always a pleasure to come and chat
1: so welcome so welcome thank you again for doing that guest co-host spot i appreciate you for that so much so i'm
0: really upset that i missed the last one about narcissism because i have some theories about that
1: oh well we're gonna talk about them because this is your time okay so how have you been since you were last on the show?
0: I have been kind of on an emotional roller coaster, if I'm being honest. Ooh. Um, but well, the emotional roller coaster is more because recently, last month, I found news articles of my uncle who was killed by the police in 1976, about six years before I was born. And I recently posted them and it has been very sombering because the incident then is similar to the incidents that we see today where the person is accused of a crime, accused Mm -hmm. of having a gun, and then they're shot and killed before anybody can ask questions or see what happened or anything. So it's been a little bit emotional.
1: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope that you are working through it and maybe getting... Possibly some justice for your uncle if, you know, the universe is on your side.
0: Well, you know, it's a little bit crazy because uh, there are no police reports that I can find at this Hmm. point because it's been so long and there was no charges ever filed against anybody. So there's really little to no documentation. So basically, if I would not have found the articles, it would Hmm. almost be like my uncle did not exist and the incident never happened.
1: Wow. Well, see, I'm glad the universe was looking you out and you did find the articles. Yes. Talk to me about your childhood experience with your mom when she tried to kill you.
0: Okay. So growing up, I um starting at about the age of five or six. Well, I used to think my mother was white in um, first grade, because she's very light skinned. Mm. And so I used to go to school and tell everybody that my mom was white. But growing up after that, um, my mother worked at GM. So she was always working third shift, mostly. And I stayed home by myself. I have an older brother, but he was older, like six years older, probably. (laughs) He was probably conceived. Or just born when my uncle passed away in 1976. He's so older that it's just a disconnect. So I started staying the night over a friend's house, and eventually I kind of lived with um, my first best friend and then i would go back home after another one of my uncles passed away i went back home and i was living but i was home alone a lot and i hated being home alone which is what Mm -hmm. sent me to go live with my friend and it just was awkward a lot because i hated being home alone so i would recruit friends to come over or i would (laughs) go over friend's house just so that i wouldn't be alone so um around the 8th grade after my uncle passed away and I moved back with my mom I ended up going to Kentucky in which my mother left me in Kentucky for an extended period of time
1: Did she leave you with family or she Well
0: We were going. I went to go visit my nephew. So after my uncle passed away, I was introduced to my second uncle passed away. I was introduced to my nephew, who eventually I ended up kind of raising because my mother would go and pick him up from Kentucky and then leave him with me and go on about her business like she didn't bring a little baby. So, um, she took me to Kentucky with my nephew and I think I was supposed to stay for like a week or two and then she ended up leaving me. This happened like more than once. The second time it happened I actually was stranded in Kentucky and had to find my way home. I was approximately 14 going on 15 because I was going to be a freshman in high school Mm -hmm. and I mean before we left we went shopping for school. We did all of these things as though everything was going to be well. But while I was gone, she took back all of my clothes that she had bought me. I mean, she literally acted as though I was not returning back to Ohio. Like and um uh, Ever, I mean, like she literally—we bought new clothes. She took all of my new clothes back. I was devastated. I remember I was staying in the projects with my nephew's mom, and she didn't have a, a actual house phone at the time. I don't think cell phones was really big at the time either. I think pagers may have been the thing. Right. Yeah. So I went to a neighbor's house to call her, and this is something I think I've been trying to call my mom for maybe a week, and she just was like avoiding picking up the phone. Like I don't know what went on back at home. Like what it. it had had to be something that happened that would make it so crazy because she like literally was avoiding picking up the phone for me and then when i finally called her on the phone she was like i'm not coming to get you you're gonna have to find your own way home and i was like what do you mean find my own way home like i am 14 15 and i am in another state four hours away and right. by the grace of god one of my brother's drug dealer friends was on his way to Ohio because he was from the same place and he gave me a ride. And wow. that was how I got home. When I got back, we were living with a cousin. It was like the whole grand scheme of things had changed. We weren't living where I was living when we left and it was just crazy. So when I got back, she it was just like nothing had ever happened. And from there, it kind of trickled down because I ended up getting kicked out of my cousin's house oh this story one day i went to get my hair done came back from mm-hmm. getting my hair done and it was dishes in the sink and i haven't been home all day so i didn't want to wash the dishes right and my cousin was like well you need to wash the dishes because it's your turn and i'm like but it's two grown people i mean my older cousin and his girlfriend was at the house all day long and they were just laying around i'm like why are they not washing the dishes So she threatened me and we got into a verbal altercation. I called her name. She was like, well, if you go, if you're there, when I get there, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to whoop your ass basically. Mm. So I went to a neighbor's house until the morning where my mother took me to my grandmother's house. Um, When she took me to my grandmother's house, she went back and stayed with my cousin, despite the fact that her child had been kicked out. So that was kind of like another blow to me. However, once there, I had a free range of things because my grandmother, although she was a city official and, you know, doing all types of things in the community, I could come and go as I pleased. So during that course of time, school and everything, I had got on a roll, well, eventually i ended up getting kicked out of school for fighting i had made some new friends lost my virginity planned that all out with these friends and then in the midst of it they began to talk about me and you know old school we used to call people on (laughs) three-way
1: yes ma'am. and
0: and catch them up you know like what you were saying oh what oh and then i jumped on like all right well i'm going when i see you again it's on and i had a lot like in um, elementary school I used to fight in middle school I got into a couple fights although when I left elementary I was like I didn't want to fight no more because I felt like I had fought so much right so when I got to high school and these females was acting like they were going to I want to say bully me a little bit like that mean girl type thing mm-hmm. I was like okay you got the wrong one and I went <laughs> to school to fight that day I actually got into two fights. The first fight was accidental. I literally did not mean to get into the first fight. And then the second fight is the fight that I actually went to school for and All I right. got expelled. Oh. So after getting expelled, I end up going back to a different school and starting school there. And then I went on a roll, bowed out. I kind of like... I would say prove them that I could do the work and then because I had passed so many of the proficiency exams and graduation exams in middle school, it made me feel like it didn't make sense to do all this extra work in high school because I had already did everything that I needed to do to graduate. Right. Biggest hindrance ever because then (laughs) after, go ahead.
1: No, no, I was laughing because she said biggest hindrance ever.
0: (laughs) because i don't know why i felt like well i already did the work i'm not doing nothing extra like i don't have to do this day-to-day stuff so when i got there i proved myself by getting on a roll two quarters and then i started skipping school and everything eventually my mother ended up moving with uh, my grandmother as well after my um, younger cousin who we we're about the same age he okay. wrecked her car when he was supposed to be picking me up from work i've always had a job since i was about 14 and um so they got into a big altercation and she ended up moving with my grandmother where she now she's concerned and she's like well what happened how's you been doing in school da, 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 da. so i'm like i think i'm doing well you know i know i'm skipping right. but you know right. i'm still going <laughs> to school um but when the test results came back, she was very upset because I did not pass. And that particular day is the day that she tried to kill me. I remember leaving school, I asked my friends. So I used to always have all my home girls to, they would jump in the car with me. I had a car, like I would okay. leave, we would drive to Cincinnati. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. We would drive 45 minutes to Cincinnati during school and That's just right. do random stuff. And I always, had a following i'll say like where people would just be like okay i'll go like let's roll you know so i asked one of my friends like hey why don't you go to the house with me real quick thankfully i don't know what made me ask her this day but i had to go Mm -hmm. home to get school clothes like i mean not school clothes i was in school i need to go get work clothes i worked at a jewelry store and when you work at a jewelry store it's a certain way that you have to dress so i went home Got the clothes or was trying to get the clothes and she was laying in the bed When as soon as I came in I could smell the liquor So she was like, you know, Mm. I thought you said you passed your test. I'm like, well, I thought I did How did I do, you know, and then she just started It started kind of with little things, like just like nitpicking and just like poking. And then it started with a little arguments where I'm like, you know, I'm doing what the best I can. I can't tell you if I pass the test. I don't know if I pass the test until the test results come back. Like, hold me, you know, like fault me for thinking that I did well, that's what I told you. So eventually we ended up going downstairs in my grandmother's house and I was trying to get in the car to leave. But my friend, naively, let her open the door and take the keys out so i was like Fuck it i'm gonna walk excuse me okay. I <laughs>
1: That's all right. so i was
0: like i'm just gonna walk so we get out to walk and as soon as we get out to walk she started you ain't ish and you know just cussing me out very very badly but it was something that i was used to so at this point i found myself saying you know what if you don't think that i'm not sh- then right. you're not sh- either because you made me and i'm a reflection of you and she yeah, literally the door flung open and she charged me i mean it was like attacking me and in the midst of being attacked I, we was like tussing a little bit and i kind of end up putting her in headlock because i'm like mm-hmm. chill out like i am not trying to fight you like why right. are you fighting me like right. i fight but i'm not gonna fight you you're my right. mom you know right. but right for whatever reason probably whatever she had in her system made Mm -hmm. her continue on so we ended up Falling to the ground in front of my grandmother's house and literally there was a like a little piece of concrete you know sometimes when they pour concrete it's a Mm -hmm. little left over and they put it either uh somewhere close or if you tell them where they can put it at so it was like a little little thing of concrete right in the middle of the curve and the actual sidewalk and we were laying in that portion of the grass and she was beating my head on the ground (laughs) with um with the concrete up under it and my friend put her head i mean her foot up under my head and she was like you know trying to stop her from attacking me and she swung at my friend and told her bitch i will get you too and um then she started choking me and i remember i was like pulling her hair i was trying to bite her face i was just doing everything that i could to get her off of me i used to do this raffling move where i would thrust her up with my uh where i would thrust people up with my hips Mm. when i would go over friend's house you know they had brothers or we would wrestle or whatever rough house and this was a move that i learned but it was not working so in the midst of me trying to bite her and me choking my friend said my eyes were rolling in the back of my head and they were bloodshot and By the grace of God, some man in a white Cadillac had a white suit on, jumped out of the car and was like, you are not going to jump on her like she a grown woman and he got her off of me. And we get into his white Cadillac and rolled around the corner to where a phone booth was and I called the police. and. Little did I know the police were already there because my grandmother's neighbor and friend had called the police. Yeah. But my mother didn't go to jail or anything. Um, we, I think we had to do some family court, maybe some family counseling. No, but yeah. it went nowhere. I was sent to a place called Daybreak, which is a runaway shelter. And from there, I ended up going back to the cousin's house that had kicked mm-hmm. me out. I stayed there for a couple of months, but I ended up getting pregnant and having a miscarriage. No. And she ended up putting me out. So okay. it was before I go on in the story because it's a very long and complex story to how I joined right. the military. I want to okay. give you the opportunity to ask ask any questions about that portion.
1: Well, I actually because that was a lot. Like it was a lot, lot. It was a lot, and I think I what I really want to know is how did that impact your life? My next question was actually going to be did that trauma was that what led you to join the army but and you can answer them in any order depending on how the flow of the story goes for you
0: so while i was at my cousin's house the people that were there the day that i wanted them to wash the dishes my -hmm. cousin's girlfriend had a twin sister her twin sister was thinking about joining the army so when i went back to my cousin's house For those, um, maybe a month or two, she literally introduced me to the idea of joining the army. And at the time I was reading my Bible. I was just kind of lost because my mother had just tried to kill me. But it was something that when she said, let's join the army together. I was like, man, that sounds like a good idea. And when she started talking to me about it, she introduced me to the recruiter. I didn't join the army right then. But over time, eventually, I did end up joining the Army from that one suggestion. She never went to the military. (laughs) She never did any of the things that we talked about. But I did. And I look back now, and I'm so grateful for her because, like, without her, I would have never made that decision. That one suggestion, that seed that was planted. And in regards to how that incident impacted my life. I can't say because I was used to dysfunction. I was used to my mother verbally attacking me and being mean. I was used to even my grandmother being mean at points. So that type of interaction seemed normal. So at the mm. time, it wasn't like it was hurtful. I mean, it was hurtful. I was traumatized, but I had no other reference point. Right, <laughs> like I had Got seen it. how other people's parents had treated them but some parents like my one friend that I lived with first she was being raised by her grandmother so you mm-hmm. know it was like everybody had a different family dynamic so it was right. just like one of those things that happened I definitely was traumatized by just the notion of my mother attacking me like that but I cannot say that it impacted me in any type of way other than afterwards, my family turned their back on me. So they wouldn't really have anything to do with me because my mother literally lied and told them that I attacked her and tried to fight her and just made up a whole story about right. what happened. So I remember going to my aunt, my grandmother helped start a drug rehabilitation center and my aunt used to work for the place it's called project cure and i remember going there and talking to my aunt which is my grandmother's sister which so would be my grand aunt and Mm -hmm. um my grand uncle her brother and they were talking to me and they was telling me all these scriptures in the bible you know honor your mother your father but i had been reading the bible myself so when they kicking to these uh scriptures to me i was like you know but it also says that parents shouldn't provoke your children you know i started hitting them back with the hold on now i hear what y'all saying but there are other things that say that that as a parent you're not supposed to put your child in a situation where why why am i even in this Right. Like so um it was very interesting but basically that day they told me that you know it really wasn't nothing they could do to help me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was really on my own. So um after my cousin kicked me out, after I had a miscarriage which okay. at the time I didn't know I was having a miscarriage. Okay. I I was having sex, of course. Right. <laughs> And I began, I like my boobs were sore, my stomach was getting a little big, but Mm -hmm. I was 17. So like, and I think my cousin might have asked me like, are you pregnant? But I had went to the doctor. When I went to the doctor, I went to Planned Parenthood and they gave me a pregnancy test. They said I was not pregnant. They gave me birth control pills within the week and a half, maybe two weeks of taking those birth control pills. I began to get severe stomach cramps. And one day I went to the bathroom and I thought that I had the boo-boo and a -hmm. chunk of meat, probably um, a 3D size of a nickel wow, or a quarter came out of me and I remember getting in the shower afterwards and passing out in the shower and nobody came to see if I was okay. <laughs> no, nothing that oh. I have been mean, in the shower. Dead job They <laughs> bit much more bad eye. They just
1: <laughs> And so, this was at your cousin's house?
0: Yes. I mean my aunt was there. One of my aunts was there and some like people were in the house. In the house. But I remember being in the shower and literally passing out waking up where i didn't fail in the shower and passing out and getting up like damn i i I must passed out like right
1: and nobody no
0: nobody even knocked on the door to say hey are you okay no nothing after that, I ended up getting kicked out because I was, you know, used to being at my grandmother's house. So I was used to coming and going as I pleased and leaving with guys, you know, spend night with guys, just doing what I wanted to do because I had been grown (laughs) way before I was grown. And she ended up kicking me out. And I went to go stay with a friend. And when okay. I went to go stay with their friend, I was there probably about two weeks before um, a guy. So my cousin that I kept moving back with, okay. she used to be a CNA, a certified nursing assistant. And when she worked at this one nursing home, she got me a job as the receptionist. So I worked as a receptionist, met a lot of cool people. When I got kicked out from her house, I went to the friend's house. One of the guys that worked utility or laundry department in the same mm-hmm. place he okay. ended up being their relative and one day he was just like hey won't you come and go to the store with me because I was just hanging out I didn't have you know much of anything to myself my mother right. wasn't giving me any child support money even though she was getting child support money mm-hmm. it was just like I was really sh- struggling and right. he was like will not you come and go with me I'm gonna go get something to eat and I was like um I'm probably didn't really feel like going but i was like all right i'll go with you and when he got me in the car we went and got something to eat and i remember going to the food place and then we went and parked downtown dayton and we sat next to the fifth third building downtown dayton and he talked to me he said listen you cannot go back to that house they are planning to like, um, turn you out. Like, I don't know if he was going to make me turn tricks right. or like sell me to something like some type of sex trafficking thing. But the house had a Ouija board and it. it was really like different environment right. than what I was right. used to. So he talked to me for probably about 45 minutes to two hours. And I remember having, I'm getting chills thinking about it, but I remember having chills on my whole body that day and just being like in a trance like state. And that day, I never went back to that place. I went to my mom's friend's house who helped me get my GED um, Mm. in uh, 2000 in 2000. And that's really how I was able to join the Army because my mother um, after I left from my grandmother's house, she withdrew me from school, but she would not put me back in school. She refused Mm. to sign for my GED papers. It was almost like she wanted me to fail.
1: Right. Yeah, because she sure didn't set you up for success. Definitely didn't. Yeah. So your cousin helped you get your GED. Her and friend, then... my mom's
0: friend, helped me get a GED. Okay. So. Okay. During the course of time of growing up, I have always had an independent lifestyle. So when I was like 12 or 13, well at Project Cure, they used to have a, a group called Reach Back where we would go like on college tours and mm-hmm. they would just take local kids and try to expose them to something. Right. But then also as I got older my mom's friend had a um, program it was called yuma where it was like i would go and i had summer jobs like i always had a job i've never not had a job since i was about 14. so i used to volunteer and and i had got a job down at this place and i would help her teach summer camp for little kids and we would go on field trips and stuff and we used to go on college tours also so i had toured a couple of colleges by the time I was in high school, I was well beyond what everybody else was on. So she was the person that I ended up moving with that helped me get my GED. And um, she got me a rental car. I ended up wrecking it and didn't tell her. So we ended up getting (laughs) into it and I got kicked out of there too. And after getting kicked out of there, I was left to go to a friend's house. Well, I actually went to one of my closest friends at the time, sister's house. I used to live with, they used to, we used to live with each other off and on. When I lived with my mom the last time Mm -hmm. um, in our apartment. I would go to their house and they would come to my house, but they would come to my house because at their house, they mom was their brothers mm-hmm. and all of that. But at my house, we was kicking so, uh-huh. it. So yeah, right. So um, I ended up living with her for, if I got my GED in June, I actually was living there when I had to do my graduation, because they do a regular like graduation for your GED. And I remember mm-hmm. my mom taking me to go get my stuff. And my dad came. I actually have the picture of that on my in my office right now. And a couple months later, I was watching the Jesus VHS. You know, they used to in the projects especially, they would drop mm-hmm. off those Jesus VHS okay, tapes. Okay. And I used to watch those, and that for I started playing on the Army's phone. Like, I would call the recruiting station, I would hang up. <laughs> I would call the recruiting station, I would hang up. And then one day, I was like, you know, the guy's name was Sergeant Farrell. And he was like, he would always be like, you know, I'm for real, you know. So <laughs> he convinced me, like, he helped me stop smoking weed.
1: Okay.
0: He would buy me black and mouse, you know, so, because I was like, I... I At that point, that was probably the trauma smoking because I was smoking weed and he helped me smoke blacks because I couldn't smoke weed and get into the army. So I cleaned myself up. I took the practice entrance test and I actually, when I took the real one, I actually scored one of the highest scores that you could score. So I was able to apply for any job that I wanted when I went in and I opted for supply because everything else was going to make me leave later. I left in two weeks. I took a test, and two weeks later, I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm
1: gone. Nice. And how long were you in the Army?
0: Three years, nine months, 15 days. That is the way that they tell you on your exit paper.
1: (laughs) Now, was it your intention to, like, rock out with the Army until retirement? Or did you just go to be getting away from the bullshit and drama at home?
0: Honestly when I went to the army my goal was to retire I was 17 years old I was homeless technically and all I could think is if I go and you only got to stay in for 20 years to retire versus working a job I could retire at 37 like so In my mind, when I went, I wanted to go and stay for 20 years. However, after I got into the military, I ended up injuring my knee and I had two knee surgeries in 2001 and 2002 no 2002 and then 2003 i had my second knee surgery on my left leg about six months before it was time to deploy for iraq and when it was time to deploy for iraq i actually volunteered to go to iraq because of my knee surgery i didn't have to go but i asked to go because i didn't want like i'm a fighter like Uh, i'm like a thug uh, but a girl
1: but a girl but a girl. I wanna be over there.
0: <laughs> I, and it wasn't that I wanted to be over there, but where I come from, you don't let nobody go into a fight and you all right. You know, like yeah, right. My leg was hurting, but I felt like I could shoot my gun, though, I could kill somebody and protect right, right. my people. I and can't it was, run,
1: but I can
0: shoot <laughs> I mean I could do a little run, a little jog, a little foxtrot or something, but you know, I'm a gallop but it was it's like watching your friend go into a, a a fight and you know they about to get jumped in instead of you you know what i'm saying doing something you just gonna say you know what well i don't feel good i'm gonna just sit over here with the pregnant people right, uh-uh. right, right. so yeah. um i literally went into the commander's office and cried i was crying child like oh i don't want them to go without me I want to. <laughs> well it's a little story behind that because i actually had a dream about iraq and after i had that dream i was like i knew i had to go to iraq i don't know what the dream meant but i was like i needed to be there and literally once i got to iraq i literally seen the very thing that i saw in my dream in iraq
1: wow what was that like being in iraq on the front line
0: it's not as bad as the media portrays it to be when you're in that environment, you don't have time to be scared. You don't really have time to be nervous. You don't have time to second guess. And before you go, they really train you to kill. They tell you that anybody could be a threat. So there was an occasion where we were, there was an IED, a bomb on a bridge and we were Mm -hmm. going around the bridge to miss the the bomb. But then a train, (laughs) just one wow. train cart to start coming on the train track while while the trucks were crossing over the train tracks now and the vehicles if you see it on tv when you see vehicles in foreign countries ride real close to each other but they be going opposite directions that's like for real so we're on this little bitty road and it's like this person is so close so i'm driving the humvee the hummer but i got my i put my weapon on fire because i'm ready to light somebody up because (laughs) in the training, they told us you could it could be a kid that come up yeah. and act like they, you know what I'm saying, from a kid yeah, to an adult. Yeah. So I'm like, shit, let's go. <laughs> let's go. And I remember my, my um uh, my chief, my commanding officer, uh, that I was driving, she was like, Winslow, put your put your thing back to safety. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Chill out. But they was too close. They was in my comfort zone. So I was right, ready to right. shoot. So I'm going to tell you this story. It's kind of funny because on the way we kept stopping, like trucks kept breaking down, totally unprepared to be in the war in right. Iraq with sand and trucks that ain't been in no war in a long time. So we were literally just kept breaking down. So eventually I'm riding and I'm thinking like, oh my God, in my dream, we sh- got into a shootout. Like where the damn shootout at? <laughs>
1: wait for it wait for it
0: listen i'm sitting here like we're like in my dream we're supposed to be like shooting that like this is the why i'm here like what are we doing like what, what And the next stop after I said that, literally, the convoy in front of us had broke down. I think a tire or something. It might even our convoy. I can't remember um, precisely. But other convoys was going around us. I mean, I'm just waving because they like we almost to where we supposed to be. We've been driving for four days. It was a four day, wow. three night drive from Kuwait to Iraq. Okay. And so I'm waving at the people. I didn't. Took my Kevlar off, my helmet off. I got my feet kicked up on the Humvee door. Cause you know, we this we've been stopped down ten times by now. Right, like it's right, right. normal. This is average stop, you know, we'll be done in a minute. Right. Literally. a the the convoy rolled past and then out of nowhere, just a white truck. I remember I can it's like I can picture it now and this is how my memory works. The white truck just was riding down the street and then I was sitting there and I was like, "Man, where all the people go?" It was just some people over there and it was some people <laughs> right over there. And literally the people were gone. Like it was like they was there but then they wasn't and then all hmm. the next thing you know we heard is da 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 oh, was- boom 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 and I literally get out of my humvee i put my kevlar on rolled over and i get out with my m16 and i start shooting i'm shooting i'm shooting i went through a whole clip of ammo at this point so i went to reload my clip but the way i positioned myself when i got back on my shells was hitting the humvee so i saw the dust and i'm Mm -hmm. thinking like damn am i hitting my truck like are they hit like what is going on i look over One of the girls that was behind me driving, she's hiding behind the damn truck tire. And I'm sitting here like, This little bitch, we got them firing and you it. So we shoot and shoot and shoot. So when you're a supply unit in the military, you're normally escorted by um infantry so the infantry guys ride past like let's go let's go let's go and we literally had to jump back in the humvee and we just drive and pedal to the goddamn metal when i tell you I'm driving my, my chief, she's a black lady. She's in her seat turned around with her nine millimeter. Pop, pop, pop. She ain't hit none with that nine millimeter as far as these targets are, but goddamn, she was shooting.
1: She was shooting.
0: She was shooting. There was no ride or die right there. So she's shooting and I'm driving. In front of me is the food truck with all the cans so now cans of food is falling out of the truck in front of me so i'm swerving around cans like this you would think this was a movie but i promise this is real life i'm swerving cans of food trying to get away from and and while i'm swerving from these cans and the food is falling and all of this is going on and you know they're still firing because people still got to stand guard to fire so we can get away yeah they blew up buildings at least one or two buildings i saw go up in smoke one of the guys in our unit he they blew up his fuel tanker so that they couldn't because they had to leave it because it broke Mm. down so they had to blow up the fuel tanker so the people couldn't get the fuel and use the fuel against us
1: Right. Wow.
0: So after that, immediately after a firefight, you have to go and you have to check. So to make sure that everybody's accounted for, we yeah. um, had parked and we all laid down and was like guarded while they was doing the counts. Mm-hmm. And literally one of my homeboys that I've known since then, like we were cool since the army. He literally almost rolled over on a land mine. Oh. He didn't. He missed it thankfully from there we went and um i remember this night we got it was nighttime by time we got to where we were supposed to be where we were going Mm -hmm. and we were just all sitting there and we was like all the the vehicles lined up and we just walking around like man like i was like whoa like that was crazy like because whoever won you never imagine actually getting to a firefight Right. I remember yeah. having conversations with a guy before I went to the army. He was like, "Well, what if y'all get into a firefight? Like, what if y'all get like, what if y'all get attacked? What if you go to war?" And I'm thinking, like, "Well, nigga, I can die right here. I know somebody okay. that got killed right in front of where we standing at right now. So, <laughs> uh, what's the difference? <laughs> at least mm-hmm. if I go there, I'm going to be dying with something to myself, not right. just dying on the street, just you know, wrong place, wrong Worship. time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So." Iraq was an experience. I was there from October to January. I actually was redeployed and left January the 11th of 2004. Um, January 11th is 111, so that -hmm. child guy was with me.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Before I left there, we did get attacked several times at nighttime, in the daytime. At one time, it was a funeral. And at at the funerals over in Iraq, they shoot their weapons.
1: Mm. Literally,
0: we had to go get all of our stuff on, like, because we thought that we were under attack again. We were in a very hot spot. And it was a false alarm, but we got attacked several times. But there was a lot of good going on. Like, we would go out and play soccer with the kids. Like, certain units would go and do certain stuff. Like, I was restricted because of my knee. But for the most part, it was... Definitely, aside from the firefight and the regular things of war. (laughs) I mean, because it's war, it's an experience of war. So outside of that, it was a very pleasant experience. While over there, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I went to church when, well, I really didn't wanna go to church this day. I was going to use the phone to call back home. Mm -hmm. And when I went to go use the phone to call back home, somebody was like, hey, you wanna go to church? And I was like, i don't really want to but if don't nobody answer the phone
1: right right
0: <laughs> then I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just come on over there but just go i didn't win call everybody i could think to call nobody this, ain't nobody answer phone. so i ended up going to church i ended up going to to the church tent it was like a tent of course and when i went in they were singing they were actually singing We're blessed
1: in the city. Oh, I love that song.
0: You know, because we're in the field. So, you know, they trying to be sentimental. Right. right. Um, So they sung the song. And then, like, leading up to that point, I had had a relationship. And, you know, all the things that were going on, I believe, my uh, granddad passed away in that October. So as soon as I was getting over there, my granddad passed away. Nobody told me my granddad had passed away. It was just a lot of stuff. So I used to be real heavy. And I would listen to Beyonce. That was when that song that came out. Uh, I can't even really remember. It might have been the a Beyonce, a self-titled album. Oh. I was listening to that album. And I was listening to Jay-Z and Outkast. Mm-hmm. And all of those people were like and filling me up. But I felt like I had the devil was on my back. And that day at church, I went in and that's what I said. Like, man, I just feel like the devil is just on me. Like, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like it's heavy. And I went to the altar and they prayed for me. But when they prayed for me, like I fell, like I was like, and I, I was shaking and everything. So I got right. up and went back to my seat, and I was saying like, "Thank you, God," "Thank you, God." Like in my mind and in my thoughts, saying "Thank you, God," but that right. was not coming out of my mouth. Like I could not control the words that was coming out <laughs> of my mouth, and it. it was so scary. But later on that day we went to shower and all that so I'm asking everybody like did somebody push me down like what in the world was going on and they're like no nobody touched you and I'm like really like I just fell out like that like for right. real over the next like week or two I went back um and this all happened like I, I'm a, I'm a, lead to that so i went okay. back and one day i went back it was a nighttime like a midweek service and he set me up to the front and he was like man you're gonna be so impactful you're gonna help so many young women and everything that mm-hmm. you've been through i mean this man did not know me i am getting chills when i'm talking right. about it right now <laughs> if i could show you my arms i'm getting chills talking about it. he's like you're gonna and be impactful for young women and he's telling me all these things and i'm like in a trance the same trance that i was in in ohio downtown dating that day that guy stopped me is the same trance that i was in this day and afterwards everything kind of felt normal but like the next day or the next within the next two or three days i literally was delivered my papers to say it was time for me to go back home because my leg was giving me problems so it was almost like those things needed to happen for me to be released to come back home because after that like literally everything changed but when i got back home i was so scared to go to church because every time I would go to church, it would be like an uncontrollable force would be on me and I could not control it. I would be crying and shouting and out, like all of these things. And I'm right. like, oh my, it was so overwhelming.
1: What did you think it was at the time and what do you know it is or was now? Like, cause that's interesting.
0: I didn't know. Okay, so I didn't really know what to think of it at the time, it was just scary very very scary and i was like that for a while like i think i went to church once maybe twice but then after i couldn't control it i was like "Shit, i ain't going back right so when i ended up getting out of the military and i moved to atlanta i met mace a guy that i was dating at the time he knew Mace or was at the studio with Mace, Jazzy Faye, and some other people. And I ended up, he was like, Hey, you know, why don't you come to the studio? Mace is in the studio. I'm like, Mace, I ain't, man. ain't no Mace in the studio. Like, I used to love Mace when I was Me growing too. up. Like, Mace. Like, so I was like, All right. So I went and I had my hair wrapped up and I went in and we were sitting there for a while. And then here come Mace. And I'm like, Oh, shit, it's really fucking Mace. Like, this is Mace. So, um, and I remember him looking at me and I was like, What you staring at me for? I got my motherfucking hair wrapped up. I was right, like right, hot mouth. And then when I said it though, it was like something arrested my attention like, Damn, you a pastor. I forgot. Oops, my bad. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, right. But from there, I ended up um seeing him a few times at the studio. And afterwards, I looked up his church. And I ended up going to the church, but when I went there the first time I went to the altar, I was actually ministered to by a lady in media. now everybody knows her for Kim Ford Media, but then she was just minister Kim. So Kim Ford took me to the back and we prayed and I was telling her like, man, ever since I went to Iraq, you know, when I, when every right. time I go to church, it'd be so weird and I'd be scared. She was kind of just told me about the Holy Spirit and kind of oh, um, yeah. ministered to me then. but now fast forward from 2004 when that incident happened at mace church to now i look up now iraq and and baghdad and where we were and literally it says that where i was was close to the garden of eden so mm. it may have been a spiritual force there right, that we were right. unaware of that really you know like and since then um i i would say that my spiritual keenness and instincts and intuition have been even more powerful than it was before then so i definitely believe in the holy spirit but i believe that it's more than what religion allows us to consider it to be
1: yeah so the new area of psychology that you kind of developed spiritual human behavior was that partially born from these experiences or something totally and completely separate
0: it was actually born of something totally and completely separate. So okay. after being at Mace Church for, um, I served six years. I was an usher for a while. Then I worked in ministry doing other things, administrative things. We moved to Phoenix. I got, ended up getting married. I okay. published my book, It's My Time, in 2006. Okay. By the end of 2006, I was engaged to a person that I barely even knew. And okay. by 2007, <laughs> I was married. By 2008, I was pregnant and um, it kind of went on from there. So I ended up being in his church for about six years. We moved to Phoenix, moved back, moved to Florida, moved back. and But what I realized is that if, if me and my ex-husband lived in Atlanta, we wouldn't make it because we were both comfortable here. He knew his people. I had my people so we could run or separate and not miss each other. So I kind of knew that that was going to happen. So in the midst of a whole lot of life, me and my ex-husband began to grow apart. Well, he started doing things that was disloyal he would talk about me to other people and the Mm -hmm. first time i seen it i was just like "Mm, dually noted but then it started to be worse and then i was just like i can't do this you can't be with me and be talking about me to other people like something is wrong with me like you supposed to be on my side and then if you gotta correct me correct me afterwards but not Mm -hmm. to other people so spiritual human behavior actually was birthed after my divorce i felt lost although i was a disabled veteran i had made enough money to take care of myself and my two children i felt like i wasn't doing anything with myself i felt like i was a loser and i don't know how i had bought a new house had six thousand square foot home uh, brand new car two small kids i'm financially stable but i didn't feel worthy i didn't feel accomplished i felt like I had lost out on life and I think divorce does that to you but also just I wasn't doing anything fulfilling so eventually I started you know I would be talking to friends and I'd be like you know what I noticed something I think this is a theory and I would be like you know well in this first theory this is what I noticed and it would be patterns of behavior like if you've gone through Mm -hmm. something like this then these are the behavior patterns you're likely to have and like for about three months, I'll say every month, I was just like every other week, I was like, man, I think this is a new theory. And I would test it out by going on Instagram. And I would be like, okay, so I got this theory. And I would tell people my theory. And I would be like, okay, so apply this to your life and see, you know, if it makes sense for you. And every time it would make sense for other people. So I took time to what I call now beta testing. So beta testing was me figuring out a theory practicing Mm -hmm. on myself or seeing how true it was for me which is probably Mm -hmm. how i figured the theory out in the first place and then offering the information to other people to see if the same information would apply and make a difference in their lives and every time it, it did and over time it would be more theories more little things here and there and so that was the birth of spiritual human behavior it was actually called the theory book at first, I went through a couple of different versions of theory names because it was literally a book of theories and right. I had knee surgery on my other knee and during that time, I bought my first studio equipment, which was a little box, uh, a doll system with a microphone and I was in a small closet on my okay. um, bedroom floor because I had knee surgery so I couldn't really go up and down the stairs. All right and I recorded my first audio book which is the unknown power of new believers and mm-hmm. then from there it just kind of stalled out for a minute honestly because I had another surgery in okay. which my bowel was nicked and I was had sepsis and was basically on bed rest for about three years of wow. me just trying to get myself back to a normalcy to where i could get up and go to the bathroom and not feel Uh, exhausted when i got finished but in that time of recovery i recovered from 2016 to 2000 and shit i'm still recovering but i became uh more able to move around in probably 2018 2019 like During the time in between, though, I would do as much as I could a day or a week, and then I would be totally exhausted for three or four days. And then I would do a whole bunch of work and then I'd be totally exhausted, but I would not allow myself to get comfortable. I kind of was pushing myself because at the time and even now the the va which performed a procedure they mm. were not offering the type of follow-up care or support that i needed so i had to push myself because if i didn't do it they were not going to help because they were denying that it had even happened at the time Got so it. yeah it it birthed there and then it had a little stalling period but the stalling period allowed for me to transfer my upstairs studio into my office that i have now and i recorded spiritual human behavior between 2017 or 18 2018 to 2019 and then in 2020 i edited spiritual human behavior i edited four faith books it's called the Faith collection and i also Created for workbooks and okay. journals and other things, so that it could nice. be a supplemental learning experience
1: nice, so that was time well spent
0: it, it it actually I just did a um a little video earlier today in my car doing a, a thinking like man like. Although it seems like everything was delayed, right now is I'm everything that I said that I wanted to have done, done, and ready for this next journey and phase of my life. So now that I'm releasing content, I'm speaking Freedom TV. Now mm-hmm. I can do that, and I have books because in 2020, when I started editing the Faith series, I started making videos. This is when I started using my iPhone to make videos, so Damn I would man. record excerpts from the book and then i would make the commentary and after that i just started you know what instead of writing captions to all of these videos mm-hmm. i'm writing four or five part captions where i'm writing the right. caption and i gotta continue it on down or make another post now i just hit record and i started making videos so some right. days i might not have nothing to talk about but other days i haven't thought about so much stuff that i got four five videos
1: in right it. right so is that what speaking freedom tv is yes i'm interested to know about that too
0: speaking freedom tv is a collection of every video audio topic that i have discussed and it is most of the content is meant to be free community-based coaching in which i use public in most scenarios it's a public celebrity post or blog or something that i'm using as a case study so that i don't have to uh, i'm a reader i read people so Mm -hmm. annoyingly sometimes i learn stuff about people that i probably shouldn't know so if i look at you and i may watch your story and i see like a couple things don't sit right in my spirit that mm-hmm. i'd be able to not piece your life together but it's certain things you could tell body language mm-hmm. things that people do behavior patterns and because i study behavior sometimes i kind of <laughs> know things so instead of putting people's business in the street and making it be something that's on blast i try mm-hmm. to use information that's already common knowledge and then speak to how spiritual behavior and all of the things that I know kind of apply to different situations. Sometimes (laughs) I use myself as the test dummy, meaning that I will talk about things as though I'm the person going through it or as though if it was up to me so that I don't again have to put the onus on anybody else. So I talk about everything. I talk about love, life, sex, I talk about spirituality the most. The goal is to create a place where your soul can be fed in totality. Because Mm. a lot of times religion, they don't even feed your spirit for real. It's just giving you information Mm. to learn and regurgitate. But when you really start tapping into your soul and unlocking your potential, it takes a lot of healing. And Christians especially have this thing that I call Christian denial where instead of addressing things outright they will you know jesus made it go away and never address it so jesus making everything go away but those things still hinder your soul because now you haven't worked through the issues in order to unlock your purpose you keep putting up blocks and defense mechanisms and it hinders you long term so technically and literally the goal of spiritual human behavior is to help you heal and address every area of your human experience so that means sexually physically financially no matter where you are or where you start once you encounter speaking freedom your life should never be the same that's if you apply the information because i could tell you stuff all day and right. if you don't apply it, then it ain't going to work. Right. Um, yeah. The other part is if you apply it and misuse it or try to manipulate, you know what I'm saying? Anything with it, it won't yeah. work. This is like an, a pure, authentic, love driven economic means.
1: Nice. Oh, that's awesome. All of that stuff is going to be in the show notes y'all. So, Last thing I wanted to ask you about in the formal part of this chit chat before we get to the 10 candid questions, which is my favorite part is explain most wanted and valuable insider and capital Dame monikers.
0: So with the most valuable insider, it mostly goes back to my ability to read people and see through situations. And a lot of times, instead of putting people on blast, I would inbox well at the time you couldn't really inbox i would like go to old pictures like let's say me and you were chatting and i felt something on my spirit about your life or something and instead Uh of going to your most recent picture where everybody is in your comments I would right. go to a picture from 40 something weeks ago and write something on there so one 40 something weeks ago who's looking at something 40 something weeks ago you're going to Only, notice yeah. it because it's so yeah. old right. um so I would I did that a lot in the start of speaking freedom and I would just start listening to songs and I would hear like lyrics like when you think about Rihanna's Man Down song, Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. really sounds to me like she was describing the situation with with Chris Brown, where Mm -hmm. she had shot a man down that may not have technically deserved it, and she kind of provoked it, but, you know, based on the narrative, he had got the brute of the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I started explaining those type of things or when I would listen to lyrics, like, there are several songs from Song Cry, to check up on it and all of Mm. like even with Beyoncé and Jay-Z where you could listen to songs and you'd be like, well, wait a minute, this sounds like Mm -hmm, y'all was mm -hmm. telling a story about y'all love more than it was just a record. And when you started, when I started looking at those things, I started breaking down what I was seeing. One of my goals with Speaking Freedom in general was to reach people that can't be reached. but. The thing that I realized in like 2012, 2013 is that celebrities are the most unreached people in the world because it's hard for them to go somewhere, confidentially have a conversation and it not be used against them. Mm -hmm. But not only that, who does a celebrity get therapy from? Who do they get coaching from? Who do they go to when they need something? So the goal with speaking freedom was really to like, man, If these songs are really an indication of anything that these people have gone through, then man, I need to be working that there. Because if I help people that have influence, then I'll influence more people than I'm trying to influence if I'm just helping people that need help. Because if you influence the influencer, then they're going to, in turn, the results will influence whoever follows them. So when I start looking at songs and different stuff... Or even when I go follow people and I know the stuff or like different people go through life trials and tribulations and instead of shunning them and talking about them like we see on blogs, mm-hmm. I would send them a message. Hey, in, in, in an old picture up under an old comment. Hey, right. um, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm noticing. Da, da 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 and I would try to help people like that. So that's where the most valuable insider comes from. And then capital right. the dame, when I looked up the word. So when I do my vision boards, I meditate during the process. I took a week to do each one of my vision boards, where I prayed, mm-hmm. asked God, what did He want me to see within what I was creating, and. Okay. When I came across the words "capital dames" because it's actually just something on my vision board, and when I came across it, it was supreme leaders of you know state or whatever it's something within that realm of you know what the capital is it's right. leadership at a highest level, but dames being a woman, so it's capital dames like you know I am a superior female within our society so some of it is speaking things into existence some some of it is things that have existed being spoken
1: oh i love it thank you so much Whew, i tell you this these the time i have whenever i'm doing a chit chat just goes by way too fast but anyway we are oh, at-
0: i got way too much to share one of the two <laughs>
1: That's, oh, no, that's okay. No, it goes like this all the time. I'm like, do I make it longer? Are people going to listen longer? But we are at my favorite part of the chit chat, which is 10 candid questions. All right, 10 candid questions. I'm going to ask you 10 random questions. One rule, have to answer them candidly. Don't have to give them a lot of thought. Just top of your head. Okay. First question, what is your biggest pet peeve?
0: I hate liars.
1: <clears throat> Me too.
0: I mean, because I just feel like I'm somebody that you can be honest with. I'm not going to judge you. Just be honest so we can work through it.
1: Okay. Thank you. How would you describe yourself in one word?
0: Blessed.
1: All right. That's a good word. Morning person or night owl? Uh,
0: I'm a morning person. But I can stay up late as well. So, but no matter what, when the sun come up, I'm up. Now I might lay back down, but I'm
1: up. (laughs) All right. What's your favorite curse word?
0: Shit. This is a word that I use most commonly when, and when it's cold outside and you get in the car, I be like, shit!
1: Nope. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed.
0: And then uh, I like to use shit when I talk to my kids, too, because I can say it and they be like, well, why are you using it? And I'm like, shit!
1: Because <laughs> I can't. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is a common myth about what you do, your field of expertise? And I'm thinking when I think about that because you do a lot, but Because you're also a life and love coach, let's make it about that particular field of expertise. What's a myth that most people have?
0: A lot of people assume that because I'm a sex coach, that is my primary focus, or Uh because I'm an ordained minister, (laughs) that I can't Mm -hmm. be a sex coach. So that is probably the biggest misconception, because I am a non-religious ordained minister, who Mm -hmm. incorporates the value of your sexual nature in your whole wellness.
1: Got it. Awesome, that was a great answer. Coffee or tea?
0: It depends, Uh, (laughs) I like both.
1: (laughs) Me too, me too. If you could go back and give your 18 year old self one piece of advice, what would it be?
0: Trust my intuition, Mm -hmm. it has never led me wrong.
1: Well, that didn't take much thought for that one, okay. So what is the one thing that the world is lacking, in your opinion?
0: Love. Self-love first. Because self-love is what actually allows for you to love anyone else outside of self. If you don't love yourself, then you will always look at others with judgment and condemnation and looking for a flaw because all you see in yourself is flaws. But mm. when you actually love yourself, you look and see that other people are flawed, but it's okay because you know that you're a but you're okay. And that is actually what makes us all individuals. Nice. This is like seasoning. Some yes. people got a little bit more seasoning than others.
1: Okay. And it's okay. Some people Mm -hmm. like playing stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. What is one question that you wished that I had asked you and what would your answer have been?
0: I think you pretty much asked me everything. The only thing that you haven't asked me about, or I didn't get an opportunity to talk about is my relationship status or around that i am single divorced and celibate seven years mm. um, which is a whole nother topic
1: oh and we're going to do something on that too every time i talk to people i get more ideas for new show episodes so celibacy is going to be a live show okay and i will be reaching out for you seven
0: years it is a challenge but it is Girl, also very peaceful
1: yes yes ma'am been there I didn't reset because, you know, that. Happened.
0: Listen, I need to reset, but I just ain't found nobody to reset <laughs> the clock. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, good. All right. And 10th and final question. How can my listeners find you and connect with you speak in freedom or for life and love coaching?
0: I actually don't do one on one coaching as of now. It's okay. something that I am looking into doing if I offer classes in which people can take classes and then get coaching so that I know that we're at least on the same wavelength. However, right. for free coaching advice, you can go to speakingfreedomtv.org, speakingfreedomtv on Instagram, and then Speaking freedom on instagram on twitter it is speaking freedom without the g on the speaking because i gotta wait for my uh trademark to come back mm-hmm. and it is speaking freedom everywhere else speaking freedom rg and if you would like to purchase and support it is edu-freedom.org
1: got it all right guys i know none of y'all wrote that down so don't <laughs> worry it'll it'll be in the show notes because i I asked that same last question. I know folks don't be writing stuff down, but it'll be in the show notes along with all of Dr. Casey's contact information with clickable links. So you can just click right on them and it'll take you to whatever page you want to go to. So Dr. Casey, thank you so, so much for spending this time with me. I, I always appreciate you and what you bring to the table whenever you're on a show and this, This little candid chit chat was just my chance to give people a lens at you and by yourself without everybody else on a live show. So this was your spotlight.
0: I really thank you. It has been a great pleasure chatting with you and doing these shows with you. You're a very pleasant person to work with.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And likewise. So guys, that's a wrap on this Candid Chit Chat with author, coach, Dr. Casey Shimon. Again, all her contact info will be in the episode show notes on the website at www.thecandidshop.com. And that's Candid with a K, people. I know I don't have to still say that. I hope all of you guys have a wonderful day. And like I say at the end of every episode, I want you guys to keep it safe, keep it healthy, and keep it candid.